Good morning, I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and this is Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. We're on chapter, uh, day number 375, it brings us to chapter 1 Samuel chapter 8. I actually just left it off where I just ended, um, and we're going to jump into the very next chapter and look at this demand for a king. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we look to his word this morning. Father, your word is good. It's full of truth. It tells us what is right. Father, write your word on our hearts and grow us in our knowledge and understanding of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done, from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest, and to make his implements of war, and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his servants. He will take your male servants and your female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flock and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us 
that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go, every man, to his city. That is 1 Samuel chapter 8. Oh, it's a great chapter. Very important turning point. It's kind of as sad as chapter 7 is uh, positive and happy. And it begins with the singular failing that we have in Scripture of Samuel. I said yesterday there's almost no uh, moral or ethical or you know leadership failures from Samuel except here. He allowed his sons to go the way of Eli's sons. Maybe they weren't as open and obvious about it, but they took bribes and they perverted justice. And that is a fundamental undermining of justice, of the law of God, of the rule of God over his people. You see, the Lord had set it up so that he would rule his people through his law administered by his judges. But the judges wouldn't be kings. Although what we read in the book of Judges is a series of judges who sort of act like kings. They are warriors who bring deliverance to the people, and then some of them sort of rule over the people. They're sort of quasi-kings. Samuel's not that way. Samuel's not a military leader. Samuel's not really, you know, leading people, gathering an army, all that kind of stuff. God brought the deliverance from the Philistines in a very obvious way. And, and what he was doing was what a judge was supposed to do, and that is to bring the people under God's rule by the rule of law. God is a big advocate of the rule of law because that's what he sets up in his word. The law will rule the people, and that will be God's way of ruling over his people. But that's not what the people wanted. The people wanted to be like all the nations around them. They looked around at the nations around them and they realized, we don't have a standing army. We don't have a lot of fortified cities that are manned, chariots, defenses. We don't, we don't have all the things that these other nations around us have. We don't have impressive palaces, you know, impressive things. It's, uh, right, was reading a book about history and, and uh, one of the things it noted was that when archaeologists measure like the greatness of ancient civilizations, they almost always do so in terms of the size of their palaces or their temples or their defensive fortifications like the Great Wall of China or, or things like that, almost all of which were, were government-run and, and were sort of a top-down kind of a thing. And so if you had societies that were more, you know, like Israel was in the time of the judges, where they didn't have a king and they didn't have a top-down government structure. They were more sort of um, more local government and small tribal leaders and not a lot of huge public works projects and things like that. Archaeologists tend to look at it and say, no, that society wasn't very well developed. Well, this mentality isn't just modern-day archaeologists. Even back then, 
here's the people of Israel saying, well, we're not as well developed as these other countries. We need a, a king to may, be judge over us like the other nations. We need someone who's going to be strong and mighty and who's going to lead us in battle and who's going to deliver us from our enemies. And all of that, God had told them that he would do if they would be faithful to his law. If they would be faithful to his law, God would lead them in victory. God would deliver them from their enemies. God would be their protector. And he'd shown them over and over again, the parting of the Red Sea and the parting of the Jordan and the falling of the walls of Jericho, even to the most recent episode in 1 Samuel 7 of the routing of the Philistines uh, at Mizpah through no real effort of the Israelites. This is God's people. And he says, I will rule over you. I will protect you. I will deliver you from my enemies. You just focus on keeping my law. You just focus on obeying me. You just focus on worshiping me. But that's not what they wanted. They wanted to be like the other people. Now, they are not explicitly rejecting the worship of God or the law of God. The law of God does make provision for what to do if you have a king. So they're not explicitly rejecting either the law of God or the worship of God. But they are rejecting the Lord from being king over them. And so really it is their motivation in wanting a king, which is the problem. Because God actually wants there to be a king. God's plan all along has been that there will be a king. Obviously, King Jesus is the ultimate plan of God from the very beginning, who will crush the enemies of God's people and who will bring them deliverance. But God has already chosen David to be the king, even though David at this point is a little boy somewhere. Uh, God's already, God's already ordained the Davidic dynasty and then that the Messiah would be from the line of David. God already has all of that in mind in his plan. So the, the fact of kingship is not what the Lord is displeased with. It's the worldliness that is underlying their motivation for it. And so Samuel warns them about what life under a king is really like. This description will reach its pinnacle under King Solomon. And King Solomon will be such the fulfillment of this description that when he dies and Rehoboam takes his place, the people of Israel come to Rehoboam and say, hey, can you ease up a little bit? Because this has like really been hard. And Solomon was a great king, as kings go. Great public works projects, great palaces, built the temple, lots of lots of building that happened under King Solomon. And so <laughs> this paragraph really comes to its, its fullness, not necessarily fully under Saul or even under David, but later under, under Solomon. And the people do come to regret it, to not want that much imposed upon them but God doesn't relieve them of it as he said he wasn't going to relieve them of it so they demand their king and God gives in to them so what's our lesson for today our lesson for today is I think a couple of things one is we don't need any other king but Jesus and we need to be loyal to him he is God's anointed king he's the one who provides for us and who protects us and who blesses us, we need to keep our eyes on King Jesus, not on all this other stuff.
Okay. Secondly, we need to beware of creeping worldliness. The ways in which we are tempted to think like the world and conform to the patterns of the world. And the third thing is, be careful what you ask for, because you might just get it. And uh, that can come from creeping worldliness or from our own fleshly desires. But we need to be careful. What we really want, is that really what we want? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us with a love that is faithful and true. Even as your people were going astray and wanting a king, you were still loving them. You were still working out your purposes for them. Even as you were warning them and disciplining them, you never gave up on them. Father, we thank you that your love perseveres with us through our foolishness as well. But guard our hearts against creeping worldliness and selfish desires. Help us to walk in wisdom according to the word of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Samuel chapter 8, and I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.